God bless you guys. God bless the world, buddy. Let's go racing. This is the Loud Pedal Podcast. A very diverse cast of automobile racing characters. With your host, NBC Sports television analyst and part-time midget racer, it's D. Welch, Mr. Dylan Welch. Yeah, you damn right I got that out there. Oh, that stupid-ass flagman. They got a dumb-ass flagman they can't see. And an expert in only one category, food. Yeah, look how big those things are. Little meat on the bone there. And cook perfectly. Well, sometimes racing, but mostly food. When you're talking a, a meal, like before I'm about to die, I will ask for 15 to 20 chicken wings. It's heavy lunch, Tyler Burnett. It's the Loud Pedal Podcast on Flow Racing. Heavy lunch, D. Welch with you on Wednesday, October 18th. And we're here to break down the recap of the All-Star Championship and also a Silver Crown Series champion awarded uh, this past weekend. We talk about that with Richie Murray and Blake Anderson. First off, big week on Flow, D. Welch. Uh, the Give Back Classic is happening. Practice on Thursday, racing Friday, Saturday. Uh, actually, practice on Wednesday. That's today. Uh, racing Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Um, awesome race, though. That that race is tremendous. And then, of course, the Dirt Track World Championship happening at Eldora Speedway as well as uh, four drivers going for a Lucas Oil title. You know, watch that on flow. But D. Welch, you raced the Give Back Classic. I have been to all of them. I'm not going to be able to go to this year because I have to go to Eldora. Um, but that race is really cool. Uh, the winner of that race gets a chili bowl ride or, and and $7,500 or you get 15 grand to win the race. So you've been in that race. What is it like? Well, I've only run the one at Millbridge. Um, but the year, the year I ran there, uh, which was, what was that? 2020, I think, um, it was, it was awesome. I mean, there was, it there was a lot of obviously really good micro racers, but there was also, uh, a lot of guys that, you know, run big cars that were racing that year too. So um, I was just happy to make the show that year, given the, you know, the two days we'd had prior to that. Um, but it's an awesome event. You know, it's, it's, um, you know, it, it has that, that feel and intensity of, of, um, of a big race. And it is a big race for a lot of those, those guys, um, you know, that would never maybe have an opportunity to, to race, uh, race at that level. Um you know, it's, it's their chance to, you know, to kind of take the next step in their career. So it's awesome that Keith's continued to do it. Um, you know, and it's obviously moved to port city now, but, um, it's, a, it's a great event and a great way to literally give back to the sport. Yeah. Keith has added some races to in the series leading up to this. Uh, I'm sure that's going to get even bigger as he goes forward, but yeah, I've been excited to see Keith continue it as well. I believe they're somewhere in the mid eighties and car count right now that is, there's an entry list out on flowracing.com. I think Kaylee Bryson's running it. Cannon McIntosh, Jesse Love, uh, Arca Standout is running it. Um, there's, there's, you know, like Gunnar Setzer, Dason Persley, Emerson Axum, I believe, is going out there. Even though I'm not sure if I saw him on the entry list, but um, maybe he's going out there. I don't know. So, uh, but you know, Frank Flood, Chris Carroll, Jeffrey Newell, those got those. There's some really good micro racers out in Oklahoma. But then you get some of these national guys to come in and try to race that race as well. Um, we've seen. Kyle Spence take the Chili Bowl ride last year. Brian Carver turned it down. However, there was a GoFundMe raised, and he got to get in Keith's car at the Chili Bowl. Uh, and then who? the other one was Jesse Colwell. Yeah, Colwell. Yeah, Jesse Colwell. That was actually – was that an – out? that wasn't an Outlaw card event, was it? Yeah, the uh, first one was an Outlaw think, card Yeah, event. it was. It was, yeah. yeah. So it was a mail so yeah. It, it has recently transitioned into micro, um, but – yeah, those those are the guys who have won it. So we'll we'll see. And uh, Steven Schneider Jr. Yeah, ran too. He he accepted the ride, I believe. So I think he won the year that that I ran, maybe. Yeah. So those are the guys who have accepted the rides over the years, and um, you know, good race car drivers. And you know, we'll see we'll see what happens this year. Who who wins the thing? I know uh, Port City is a tremendous racetrack, so you guys should watch it this week. It's really tight, really good racing, uh, micro racing. In that area, non-wing 600 outlaw race. Check it out. Keith Coons Give Back Classic, the 19th through the 21st on Flow Racing. Uh, you better watch that. All right, let's get into our Sun Dollar Restoration 
Hat Shakes of the Week brought to you by Sun Dollar Restoration. Jason and Kim ended up with a championship this year, D. Welch. Uh, they did. Team racing with Sun Dollar on the side of the car. Zeb got his first championship. What what a cool year for those guys. And they were yeah, at all, Dora, yeah. too. They were at Yeah, all it's Dora. awesome. It's awesome. And like we're going to kind of talk about with Blake, you know, it was – um, a bit, kind of a big statement for Zeb, who's kind of struggled with Eldora to to come out there and and do what he did with all of that on the line and and get it done. So um, happy for him and and uh, and happy obviously for Jason and Kim and and all the Rudines as well. It's awesome. Brian Brown won the Tuscarora Fifty. Zeb and Tyler Courtney won the all the Outlaw races at Port Royal Speedway. Uh, my hat shake though is going to go to Hayden Reinbold. Yeah, uh, he, he got a, got a victory. Was that with the Extreme Outlaws? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that his first midget win? First national win. Yep. First national midget win. I I, I really like Andy Reinbold and and everything he does in motorsports. And we've had him on the show. Um, you know, his son. I think he's made some of the the biggest improvements I've seen in a race car driver. Uh, this year he's been super fast. Um, Hayden just getting it done. You know, we talked about Trey, you know, we're going to talk about Trey Osborne being a really tall, lengthy kid. That's how Hayden is. Uh, and just gotten a lot faster this year and won his first outlaw race. So that's, that's where my hat checks going. I'll give one, I'll do double hats to a couple champions, uh, to Jade, first of all, for the extreme midget championship, keep with the midget theme. Um, I just, we don't have to tell anybody who watches this show, how good she is, but, um, you know, just had another great year and, and, you know, continues to just kind of be a trailblazer for, for young females in motorsports. And then uh, I got to give one to CV too, you know, just so impressed with, with the year he's put together, but um, you know, really on the silver crown side too, I think it's just um, it's so cool to see that team kind of take the progressions that they've had year to year and now to year three of, you know, kind of showing up and, and, um, and, and, you know, just kind of trying to get to the end of races, but, you know, being fast, but just kind of trying to get to the end of races. And then, you know, last year they start winning these dirt races. And then uh, this year they took the step up to, you know, be good or on, be better on pavement and, and beat the King. So, um, you know, knowing how good Cody is, I, it just uh, makes it that much more impressive that, you know, they can come in here in three years and, and kind of do what they did. So, um, and just happy for our, our, our guy, Brent with Abacus and, um, and Robbie Rice and Ronnie Gardner and everybody that, you know, is a part of, um, you know, part of that team on the Silver Crown side, um, you know, just good, good people. And, and it's nice to see good things happen to good people. They won the championship. Tanner Swanson won the race at IRP. Donnie Schatz won at Lakeside with the Outlaws. Sam Hafer Teep Jr. won at Devil's Bowl, the 50th annual Devil's Bowl Winter Nationals. He won that. Tim's won an extreme outlaw race. Uh, I mentioned Brian Brown won the Tusky 50. I think that's about, oh, Grant won the Fall Nationals and the BC 39 since we've been gone. So um, lots of winners. If I forgot you, I'm sorry. Uh, I apologize. But those are Sundollar Restoration Hat Shakes of the Week brought to you by Sundollar Restoration. They are based in Carmel, Indiana. They'll put a roof on your house or water, fire, mold restoration in the greater Indianapolis area and it's about weather season now, so I'm sure Jason's super busy at fixing uh, properties and stuff from damaged weather, houses and real estate and everything else. So, uh, all right, let's move on. Richie Murray, Blake Anderson is next. This is the Loud Pedal Podcast on Flow Racing. I like to think of this event as the Willy Wonka of racing. You get an automatic golden ticket to the Chili Bowl. And we're here in Tulsa. Shootout happens just a couple blocks away. There's so many people that want to be involved with micros all the way from all the way up to cup guys that you know want to come and do this and, and just race on dirt. Look out! The KKM Give Back Classic at Port City Raceway. And we're back on the Loud Pedal Podcast. As promised, USAC's Richie Murray joins us to talk about the Silver Crown Championship and also the Sprint Car Series points winding down as well as the Midget Series uh, ending their season, if you will. Uh, Richie, how was it? How was IRP? It looked like a good race and some drama there towards the end with uh, Swanson having to drive through the field. But CV finally gets his first Silver Crown Championship. Yeah, it's one of those... uh 
third time's a charm type deals, you know. It was the uh, third year in a row it came down to the wire to the last race of the year with, uh, you know, CV. Had, I, they were within three points of each other the last two years going into the finale. And uh, CV had a bit of a cushion this year, but not that much, just uh, 16 points. So, you know, anytime you go to uh, a pavement track like IRP is, Cody's the one to beat. And, uh, you know, he, Logan has improved so much on the pavement over the last couple of years. And, you know, like he told me uh, just a couple of years ago, they're just hoping to finish all the lead, all the laps and finish on the lead lap and hope to get a top 10. And now they were, they were, uh, they were hoping they could win. They were expecting that they would be a contender. And, you know, that's kind of the difference in the championship this year is that Logan was so good on the pavement uh, he didn't win, granted, but he uh, finished second at IRP early in the year and finished in the inside the uh, top six in all but one of the races at Winchester, which uh, he was running inside the top five and had a uh, wheel center break and put him in the wall. So, yep, you know, they, they said the, the dirt, they expect to win there. They're going to be fine. He Logan won three races on the dirt this year, and, and Cody got three on the pavement. So they're kind of even there, but uh, it was the little bit of difference this year for Logan was the pavement, and it, it's kind of fitting. It came down to IRP where, you know, he was he had a bad start. He almost ran over Tanner Swanson on the first lap, dropped from fifth to ninth, and had to work his way back up. But then, uh, of course, Cody got out and led a bunch of the race the first quarter of the deal, and you know, all hell broke loose, and he got. Uh, had an issue, got in the wall. <laughs> the car got really tight, and he started losing spots, then got in the wall, then came back out, got to another incident, which looked like pretty heavy contact, and got in the wall on that deal too, and still managed to come back. And just like everybody knows that has seen this series over the years, you never count Cody out. He's able to drive from the back of the pack and got all the way back to fourth in the uh, final uh, run. He was – it kind of got funny <laughs> – Kind of crazy at the end there with uh, Logan going th uh, three wide with Cody trying to beat those guys with uh, CJ Leary in that battle. So Logan was three wide in a sandwich for off a of turn four with like three laps to go and a spot that didn't really matter to him. And I know Pat and Chet were over the PA saying, "What? Can he just back off a little bit? <laughs> why was it? Why wouldn't he back off a little bit?" But you know these guys are racers, and it was. I think that move where uh, they went three wide, where everybody took a breath and said, okay, let <laughs> let him go, lay back. But that was only with two laps to go. So it got kind of crazy there. And, you know, uh, Logan went unscathed and finally got the championship after three years of trying. And to beat Cody, it's basically like beating, beating Goliath in this series. It, it doesn't get done a whole lot. Richie, I, I think we share the same – passion for this series and you know we we both kind of started at USAC around the same time which was around the time that the resurgence started um kind of in the you know mid 2010s um and I just I I was so happy just you know watching IRP and just kind of thinking about how far this series has come you know in the last you know eight to ten years or so that um, you know, and, and I just saw, I think I'm assuming it was you that posted that, mm -hmm. um, you know, the highest average car count, you know, per race, uh, since 2005 with just under 29 cars, a race, 32 cars at IRP in May was the highest on pavement since 2005. Like all the numbers are there. And then, you know, we get rewarded and you guys get rewarded for your hard work and in, in growing the series back to, you know, its best years in a long, long time with this epic championship battle. Like, um, what, what was kind of the feeling like for everybody at USAC just to, to be able to, you know, kind of sit back and watch this all, you know, this all unfold, even, even over the course of, of the year, not even, um, you know, not even just this past weekend. Yeah, it's very rewarding just seeing how far we've come. And I, you know, as you were talking about that, I, I remember being at IRP in 2015 and I, you know, it, it, there was, about 18 cars there. It was a Saturday morning, uh, the day before the 500. And I remember a few of the cars that were just at the back of the pack running about eight seconds off the pace and qualifying. And then, you know, we had some of those pavement races that year with, I know, 13 showed up at Gateway. And 
know, a few years before that, we had 13 come at, uh, that raced at Terre Haute. And, you know, I, I got the feeling that was before I worked at USAC and I almost had the feeling like, you know, did I see the last silver crown race? And that was 2012. And then since then it's just steadily grown. And I think maybe, maybe the, probably the main thing is that, uh, you know, it's kept, there hasn't really been any changes to the series. People love the series for what it is. It's, it's a bit of a throwback definitely to the days of, you know, these are the branches of the, the old championship cars and what ran at the Indianapolis 500 for forever. So, uh, you know, the front engine open wheel machines and <laughs> with tube frames, but you get uh, all these years later, you know, you got all these guys that are joining the series. You know, you got like Legacy Autosport came along and won a race this year and they were they they were in Indy Lights, they're in the Road to Indy program, and they switched to Silver Crown and built their own chassis. Became the first outsider chassis on outside of Beast to win a pavement race in 15 years. Then you have Cody's team, which is Doran Binks Racing. Those guys were huge in sports car racing. And they were, you know, Binks ran the Corvette team. Doran's been he's won everything in sports car racing, going back to the 80s with guys like Al Holbert and all that and they've gone silver crown racing so it's all this new blood that has got it gotten in here and you got younger drivers like logan stevie who've come to the series and challenge these guys and you it's just the field has gotten so much deeper when you think like obviously cody and tanner swanson and bobby santos are always the guys to beat on the pavement they've been that way for a long time but there's been other guys that have gotten up there in recent years so and, in, and on the side, on the dirt, you can count up and down the field. You There's 15, 20 guys that can win a race if things go right. You got a guy like Chase Dietz who ran wing sprint cars, runs wing sprint cars out in Pennsylvania, joined the series and uh, finished second in his first outing that led some laps at Eldora and finished third. It's just so much new blood and so much new excitement, new cars being built. I remember that part of it too, just kind of older equipment. A few years ago now guys want to win and they feel like they have to have new equipment sometimes and and to be competitive in this series so there's just so much going on excitement from top to bottom and you know what we're not willing to take a victory lap now we want the uh we want it to keep growing and keep getting better and you know maybe some new venues in the future and all that stuff and keep it rolling into 2024 and beyond know that cv it's, you know, among the rest of the midget crowd, he's kind of an older, you know, guy, right? He's younger than Dylan and I, but he's still, you know, in his 20s, uh, late 20s, I guess, mid-20s, whatever he is now. Um, but this was, you know, his first Silver Crown championship. However, this is a season where he has a likely chance to win two championships in the same year uh, uh, with the midgets, right? He won the He won the Chili Bowl. You know he's had a huge year. He won. He swept the four crown. This is uh, this is obviously a very big breakout year, if you want to call it that, uh, in the late you know later part of his career. But Richie, when was the last time someone won two USAC championships in a season? Yeah, that was uh, Levi Jones back in 2011. Won the uh, Silver Crown and Sprint Car Championships. So it's been a good 12 years since we've seen somebody double up. And uh, what the exciting part of that is now, kind of. Levi was kind of lamenting the the post we made yesterday about the the deal the new deal this year the two times two deal so if you win two championships you can double your payout so it's going to be you know twenty it's twenty thousand to win the silver crown championship and thirty thousand to win the midget championship there's still six races left in the midget season but Logan has a two hundred and twenty five point lead um, so he still has to finish that out but that's fifty thousand total but if you win two championships in one year that doubles to 100,000. And if, uh, you know, somebody hits not in play, obviously this year for the sprint cars for him, but if somebody can win three championships on the USAC national tour in one year, that's uh, the triple the award. So it'd be 300,000. But uh, Levi was talking about, oh, he got, you know, $5,000 from Chevrolet for winning the uh, <laughs> championship bag in 2011 and had it written into his contract that if he did that, he was able to get that money. 
So that's one of the aspects of uh, that we've been talking about that the you know the silver crown go, growing by leaps and bounds, and then the money being put into it, and literally going from five thousand from doing that, and a little bit more for winning each of the championships to a hundred thousand, which could be in play this year for Logan. It it's just such a <laughs> it's such such a big deal to to not only the prestige of winning two championships in one year, but add that money to it is pretty cool as well. It's funny to me that it happened in 2011. And I was thinking about this the other day um, because 2011 was the year, obviously that Larson kind of burst onto the scene and he had this year where he just won everything, right? He just, you know, he showed up and he gets in every car and he just wins. And I don't know if Logan's year is, you know, this year is, is to that level or not. Um, But I'm curious you know, as, as somebody who is, you know, a historian and who has watched a lot of races and watched a lot of USAC seasons through the years, you know, where does this season for Logan kind of rank for you as far as um, just overall impressiveness and, and, you know, um, you know, at at what he's been able to do, is it, is it, I would have to imagine it's near the top for you, but is it, is it one of the best seasons in USAC history in your opinion? Yeah, definitely. For, as far as two different divisions, you know, or, or there was definitely a period of time over this year. When you when you go on the dirt and Silver Crown, you expect Logan Seavey to be up front and winning. And he's – I don't think he's finished outside the top five in a dirt Silver Crown race in more than two years. So he's going to be up there. And, you know, you go to a dirt mile, you expect – you almost expect him to win. And uh, when he got rolling after Indiana Midget Week this year – um, he won that championship going away. He reeled off like 14 straight podium finishes, which is was the most in over a quarter century. So I think when you get to a point where you have a driver in two different divisions that you're expecting to win or at least finish top three every night, and it's almost a shock if he finishes fourth, I think you've got a pretty good season on your hands. And it's been a bit of a struggle with the sprint car, but even in that string, when he was on fire, he was completely hot and reeled off a couple sprint car wins there too late in the year. So just to, to be able to win in three different divisions in a single year is is awesome enough to be able to do. And there's not very many people who've done that in the entire history of USAC, but uh, there's just a select few, you know, maybe one every couple of years, but uh him and Justin Grant have pulled that off this year. And, uh, yeah, there's – but just in the realm of USAC history, obviously you have the Triple Crown champions, but, heck, Tony Stewart didn't even win a Silver Crown race that year. So, <laughs> in his championship year. But I would say J.J. Yaley's year in 03 when he won the Triple Crown, that was one where it seemed like every time he'd go out, he would win. And when he qualified, he'd seem to qualify six quick. Like – that and then which with the six car inversion put him on the front row it seemed like every time like how does he how did he manage to do that over and over and i remember a race at salem even back then where (laughs) jj yaley in 03 in a sprint car uh, was running away with it and spun out and i just had my eyes wide open like are you kidding me he actually spun out he started at the tail and about 10 laps came all the way to challenge for the lead and spun out again (laughs) <laughs> so that was probably it, it's kind of crazy when you chalk that up to being shocked you turn on your shocked face and that was almost what it was when uh cv ran fourth at angel park this year that man he ran fourth what a terrible night man so <laughs> i think if you run fourth and that's a bad night you've got a pretty good season going yeah it is <clears throat> we, we talk about the championships the midget championship uh has what five races remaining in their season. So Bakersfield, Merced twice, and then we go to the Turkey Night Grand Prix. Grand Prix. Placer, Placerville twice as well. So six races. Yeah. Six races. And why yeah. did I not see Placerville? Is it is there a non-points race in there somewhere that I missed? Nope. No, no. November 17th and 18th, Hangtown 100. Full points. Reading and math are well, hard for Tyler. Well, appearance points only one night and feature points only on the second night. So maybe that's yeah. why I said it that way. Oh, yeah, you got to fix. There you go. You, you got to fix for us, Richie. So okay. <laughs> uh, you said Placerville twice. Yes. Yes. November seventeenth and eighteenth at a Placerville. Nice. And then we're said Ventura. 
And there's one race in Bakersfield, right? Yeah, Bakersfield kicks off the tour on November 14th. So just a little under a month now and finish it off with six races out in California and, uh, you know, in a span of about nine days. So it's a yeah. very busy stretch, but it's a good way to finish out West and and get to experience the the, the California weather out there. Sometimes cold, sometimes pretty nice and, uh, and uh, finishing off at Ventura with Turkey night is, you know, that's, I mean, what more can you say about that place? It's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. It's and, very, uh, very good racetracks. And then the sprint car series has two races left uh, that they're both at Meeker, right? Red dirt. Raceway. Yeah. Uh, what are the yes. situation looks like for the uh, sprint cars? So it's pretty, uh, yeah, Justin Grant's got a pretty substantial lead on Brady Bacon. He opened it up to 109 at this point, but uh, so he could clinch uh, if all things go right. The uh, the first night out at uh, Red Dirt Raceway on October 27th, 28th. So it you know it looks pretty uh, certain there, just uh, kind of to to clinch that up before the final race of the year. But uh, yeah, Brady kind of it was neck and neck through out much of the year and uh you know it's featured a record number of point lead changes at the top this year we've never seen as many i think at last check it was 14 different lead changes this year at the top of the points we've never seen anything like that and and it comes down to the end and brady had a bit of a bad luck i mean i mean every every piece of bad luck that could possibly happen happened to him at eldora with uh Flipping and qualifying, then coming down and getting uh, methanol in his eye that swelled it shut during the in the pits while getting his car ready. Then he came back out and he tried to run the sprint feature and blew the engine. So I, what could go wrong did go wrong there. And then he came out to Lawrenceburg and had another more misfortune. And you know, and Grant coupled it up with a win, so it it kind of broke this uh lead open for grant and yeah it's uh it looks like we could have a back-to-back champion on our hands with justin grant uh, so but it'll be exciting to get down there for two nights we've never been there with the sprint cars and you know we've been down there a few times with the midgets we haven't been uh USAC sprint car racing down in oklahoma in over 20 years so be good to get down there and uh you know i've to see sprint cars there we sell that all-star race there a few years ago which was one of the best all-star races probably in the history of the series so we'll see what we can do down there with the usac boys yeah that'll be good we're mm-hmm. uh you know i was just thinking about it too you mentioned you know grants grants are already won you know a sprint car championship already has a silver crown championship cv's likely going to get two this year we're kind of on triple crown watch again like we, yeah. you know, we, we had Wyndham win it a few years ago. And and I think, you know, we were kind of all wondering if we were ever going to see it again. I think we all were wondering that before Wyndham won it, but um, you know, we got the possibility next year of somebody um, of somebody joining the list. Grant's got to win a midget championship and CB, you know, if everything goes according to plan has got to win a, a sprint car title next year, but it could happen again, which is uh, which is pretty wild. And we've got two, two chances at it maybe. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, it, you never know what can happen in these deals. Like, uh, I would say Justin Green came into this year as the odds-on favorite for the Midget Championship. Right. They've had, had a really tough stretch until lately when they uh, got it, finally got it going, finally got their win, and uh, reeled off another one on the next night. And that involved a lot of frustration, all the last all the way to the end of September. And uh, like Logan CV in a sprint car this year, they had the struggle that lasted until September. And so these things are very hard. It's very hard to get one championship, let alone two, let alone three. So it, it just proves that everything has to go so right for from top to bottom. And obviously Logan's been on his game this year. And it, for some reason, the sprint car, it just hasn't worked out uh, quite like the, it has in the midget and silver crown car. And, and Justin and the midget, compared to his sprint car. So it's uh yeah, we're, we'll be on watch. We'll be on lookout and there it's a very exclusive crew and you know, it's, uh, there's probably no better honor or recognition reward than to have all three championships under your belt for your career. That's pretty special. And you know, that's why those guys 
as as soon as Logan wins, won the Silver Crown Championship, he was already talking about we need to win a sprint car championship. So that's top of mind already for going into next year because he really wants it, and uh, and Justin wants it too. So they're going to do what it what it takes to get that done going forward. I guess we could have them both happen in the same year, theoretically. That's true. Yeah, that would be sweet. We would be insane. Richie, before you get out of here, what's your stat of the day? You got one for us? Oh, man. You probably just wrote one well, last night or something. <laughs> well, I uh, – yeah. Well, I kind of – your the average car count one was a pretty good one. But, uh, yeah, I I don't know. I just uh, – You spoiled it already. Yeah, <laughs> that's fine. Yeah, I spoiled it for you guys. But, uh Yeah. Richie's gonna have to uh, phone uh, it in, in our inter- during our interview with Blake. Phone get, it in. We're gonna have to get him on yeah, the computer. Well, it, yep, yep. Uh, well, yeah, I got nothing. <laughs> Trey Osborne's <laughs> the tallest driver in Silver Crown history. There you go. Who was? He, yes. He got, yeah. There we go. That's got, a good one. He, and he got hard charger uh, last weekend, and he will have uh, some new news on a new sprint car ride here very soon. So. I'm just going to tease you with that. Nice. <laughs> oh, you can find out here real soon, as soon as he's ready to announce it. So, and he will uh, be traveling down with USAC down to Red Dirt, so to yeah. make that debut. So we'll look forward to that. Trey cool. Osborne, right? Is who you're talking about? And you, how tall yeah. is he? He is six foot eight, and with his mop of red hair, he might be seven two. So. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to see him try and the fit tallest in a USAC driver in history. Uh, he might be, but definitely USAC Silver Crown because we've had, you know, we there's some guys that have been up there like uh, I don't know, like Andy Reinbold's like six 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 seven. And I know uh, Chris McCord. McCord's McCord's probably, probably only down. like six four or something. Yeah, if that. Yeah, <laughs> and then Chris Knifel, an old IndyCar driver from the '80s, was six uh, six, I believe. I think he might have been in uh, with the Chicago Bulls and training camp once, like similar to Dale Blaney, who's on, on the tall side of sprint car drivers. So, yeah, who was in Lakers camp. So, you know, you got some tall guys up there, but I don't think anybody tops Trey Osborne. So, and you, cool. you said you would like you would like to see him in a midget. Heck, he's a Kenyan midget champion. He is just a, just a couple of years ago, and then uh, he. Uh, he raced in the BC 39 back in 2019, which is people don't even know. Really? <laughs> don't even remember it because he was off the radar. He actually drove for Mel Kenyon. In that oh, I do remember that. I do remember that now. Yeah. yeah. So that was, seems like a long time ago, but <laughs> here he is mean, now making a name for himself. And uh, that's you know, awesome. God bless him. I'm six foot and I barely fit in a midget. I don't know how I could, <laughs> I could cram another eight inches worth of legs or torso or wherever it's at on him. And, in a car. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's tough to fold your legs around your shoulders. You yeah. Know, I mean, it's, in the car. I, it's amazing. Although there's a guy, uh, there's a guy down here. His name's, they call him too tall. Cause he's, oh. uh, he's literally too tall, but he, and he runs a micro, <laughs> which is pretty entertaining to watch him get in and out of that. So I guess it's possible. Yeah. <laughs> Trey's a great driver. Looking forward to seeing what he can do. Uh, going down there to Meeker and then in the future. Richie, thanks for coming on the show. Appreciate the time. As always, we'll talk Sprint Car Midget Championships probably the next time we get on. Sounds good. I appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Welcome back to the Loud Pedal Podcast. As promised, Blake Anderson with the Tezos All-Stars joins us to recap their season. Zeb Wise wins his first championship, and also Rudine Racing comes up with the championship out Eldora. It was a remarkable ending to the season. What a tremendous battle between he and Courtney at the uh, Eldora race, Blake. That was amazing. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what you want a championship to come down to right there is the two guys gunning for the title, duking it out in the final laps at Eldora Speedway. It doesn't get much better than that. And really two guys that just represented our series with absolute class. I mean, they're close friends. They race each other hard and clean. It was just, it was truly a blast. And really, you know, it's two guys that we kind of ex- is expected Zeb to burst onto the scene in Sunshine. We've grown to expect it the last couple of years, but boy, he sure burst onto the scene quickly in a wing sprint car a couple of years ago. And since then, it's kind of been the expectation is wins and championships out of him. 
we talked about it, I think maybe the last time we had you on when we were previewing this about, you know, how Zeb was going to kind of have to step up because Tyler is so good at Eldora. Um, and, and he did, right. I mean, he, you know, from, from the time they rolled off the trailer was, was on it all night. Um, and I, th- I thought that was cool. I thought that was kind of a, a good representation of, of just, um, the year he's had, you know, he's had to kind of scratch and claw at times. He obviously had to come back from injury as, as sunshine has, but, uh, you know, then he goes to Tyler's house and kind of has to, has to, uh, to steal it from him, which was, I thought was cool. Yeah. It, it's Zeb's the way he's matured behind the wheel this year has probably been the most impressive to me. Like for the first time in a long time, he's going to half miles and he is running strong and they put that Ford performance motor underneath the hood and it's been strong. The FPS 410 has been very strong for them. And Zeb's kind of, I feel like taking a liking to it because he's running at places very strongly in the past that he has run very poorly. And then you partnered in with Tyler Tessamaker. His arc this season has been quite cool. I mean, you sit here and you, you flash back to Florida with Zeb and it couldn't have gone much worse. And it was like, man, I don't know what they're going to be like if they're top three with us this year. I think it's a surprise. Then they made a change. He comes out one of the first races with Tyler Tessmakers as crew chief and wins at Williams Grove, their season opener, a place that he's never had much success at all and goes and outduels Anthony Macri. Not only he didn't just beat him, he had to get back around Macri in the final couple of laps, which was super impressive because at that point you thought Macri got around him. Okay. Ball game, you know, it's over. Macri's on kill, but he just was impressive from the start and sunshine, the way he bounced back from injury right away was impressive too. And it, it made for a fun season and boy, those two there, the future is bright for both of them. I'm really excited to see where the next couple of years take them and, and what big races they can clip off because Tyler's capable at winning about everywhere. And Zeb now has shown much of the same that the half miles aren't a weakness anymore. I know you guys went out to the test score 50 and, and Brian Brown won that event, but, um, they won both the World of Outlaws events <laughs> at Port Royal. Yeah. Took, took both the uh, features from them uh, in the in the Outlaw events. That had to been, you know, had to make you smile a little bit. Oh, absolutely! A, a very proud moment there is is watching our guys beat the Outlaws. You know that the, these guys. I've, I've said it all year long. These guys can compete with anybody, and they absolutely proved that at Port Royal. And you know, Brian Brown winning the fifty was a cool story, the biggest win of his career, and he's won a lot of races, but. That's absolutely the biggest one. And then, yeah, Zeb gets his first outlaw win on a half mile. You wouldn't have thought that. And then Tyler gets his second outlaw win after he won the night before the 50 back in September. So Port Royal's kind of turning into a, a strong suit for Tyler Courtney and Clausen Marshall Racing. What do you think a year like this for Zeb does moving forward for him? Like you, you mentioned, you know, the kind of the, the arc of confidence that he showed this year, but now that he's done this and because there's guys that have been in championship fights before, right. That maybe crumble under that pressure. And mm-hmm. and he didn't, right. He, he delivered all the way through the year. So moving forward, how big do you think this is for him? Um, just kind of even going into next year, whatever he ends up doing as, as he goes after presumably an, another championship. I mean, you guys have seen Zeb since the beginning, the both of us, and we've always kind of thought that that talent was there He just had to put the right puzzle pieces together to be able to do it. And I think he finally proved he could. The last couple of years, we've just steadily seen Zeb Wise get a little bit better every year. Just take it up. It's been a slow climb. And I think, to me, that is means he's here to stay. Because it wasn't just like a bang, bang. Like, oh, Zeb went from here to here out of nowhere. It was we saw the progression and the steps. And he proved that he can do it consistently. And I think that's going to be huge for Zeb moving forward. I, I look at. I just said it, you know, half miles up until six months ago were a huge weak point for Zeb. I mean, the slick tracks were his specialty. And then he went to the half miles and really struggled. And now, shoot, I mean, in August, he goes in and beats the posse at Sealands Grove and absolutely dominates at Sealands Grove. Then goes to Eldora, a place he's historically struggled, one top five and over 10 starts there and, and cracks off a win. I, I think he's Zeb is even proving to himself that he's capable of winning any night and Dylan is a race car driver, you know. I mean, it, confidence is, is is king in behind the wheel That's of a everything. race car. It is. I mean, you easy to get down on yourself, I'd imagine. But boy, when you're high, you're Superman. I feel like Zeb's kind of got his cape on right now, and it, he's really adapted to the tire quickly. We've seen teams not adapt to the new tire, and Zeb was like, you know, fish in water with this new tire. And I'm excited to see. I think you know he proved that he can contend for a championship anywhere, which is. 
the next couple of years is boy, that's going to be fun to watch. And Tyler, I mean, that's just the expectation with Tyler too. There he's, he can beat anybody any night, much like Zeb. And like I said, at the top of the interview, those two have just represented our series so well. Yeah. I mean, it's not just the speed that Zeb had this year. It's he's putting himself in better positions on the mm-hmm. racetrack. You know, he crashed a lot, uh, you know, in the 10 car. I mean, Jason, yeah. will tell, Jason will tell you, he paid for it all. Right. So like <laughs> he, I mean, but here's, and this is what I told Jason over and over that year. He has to crash because that he will get faster. That's how these guys like Larson, you know, he mm-hmm. crashed a ton uh, early on in some of these big cars. And, and because you're fighting for, you're fighting up front, you're fighting, you're putting yourself in positions that can get hairy. You know, I remember like Portsmouth, right? Like uh, the Dean, yeah. the knee metal, is it the, 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 the niddle. Oh, the middle, right? Yeah, that crash with him and Reinhardt and Courtney. He was the fastest car on the track and mm-hmm. just a bad crash. And then I remember the flames at Grandview, like just that whole year was just, you know, the the one in the backstretch in the creek. Like there was a lot of crashes that led up to this year. But after that crash at Eldora this year, I can't remember a single crash that he had yeah. after that, right? After that crash, he was so much faster and so much better and put himself in better positions. I really think the only spot that I can think of off the top of my head where he put himself not in a great position was at Butler. Yep. Lap when, car. You know, leading with a lap car and just that was a tough spot to be in. He had to make a move and and unfortunately that cost him. But I think you're right. You know, Zeb, he crashed a lot, but boy, he had to to learn. And, and unfortunately that's expensive to do, but now it's paying dividends. And and they always say, you know, a, the telltale sign that a driver is going to be good is if they can crash hard and bounce back. Because we see so many times guys crash hard once, and they're like, oh, I don't want to do that again, and they don't race the same ever again. And Zeb was kind of the opposite. Like, he would crash hard and almost kind of pick it up a little bit and push the envelope a little bit more. And now he, he I think the maturation part comes into play. He knows where that line is. He's, you know, he's got a little bit better idea of where the line is and where you can push things and where you can't. And Man, the consistency this year out of them was – was very impressive as well because that's what Tyler does. I mean, Tyler, we all know that he'll top five you to death. His bad nights don't give you much wiggle room as someone that's trying to chase him in points because a bad night for him is seventh or eighth. And that doesn't leave a lot of points on the table to close in in a championship. And Zeb proved he can do that same thing that Tyler can do is consistently run in the top five, six, seven every night. I'm curious, Blake. I just, just thought of this kind of in this conversation you know, Tyler is not a guy really that, that crashes very often either. Hasn't really his entire career, even back to USAC. Um, and another guy that was like that was Brian Clawson, who just – he never seemed to really crash. And obviously there's there's a lot of correlation there and, and kind of a mentor-mentee relationship. But do you see that out of Tyler as, as kind of a um, – you know, as, as kind of Brian's impact of how he tutored Sunshine represented on the racetrack? I, I, that's a good point, Dylan. I mean, I, yeah, in a roundabout way you do. I mean, you you saw about the only times Tyler crashed this year because I felt yeah. like it was at the high limit shows at the beginning of the year. He would come to all-star shows and would never crash, and then he goes like to the first four high limit shows and crashed in like three <laughs> out of the four. And the Eldora crash that he got hurt in, that was, I mean, that was just, there was nothing he could do there at that point. Right. No pun intended. You're along for the ride. Like he, he hit a hole, went bouncing and it wasn't like, it was just like, Jesus, Tyler, what are you doing? It was just kind of wrong place, wrong time per se and hit the hole just wrong. But yeah, I think you're, you made a good point. Both of them race a little bit like Brian now to the point where they, they don't put themselves in many bad positions. And that's what Brian was so good at doing is just, the IQ racer IQ per se of knowing where to be and when. And Brian was the king of that, of just not being in many sketchy positions, kind of being able to pick off cars. I always talk about Brian. I felt like a lot of times played chess out there. Like he would very calculated moves, you know, pass a guy here, sit back, wait, pass a guy here. He never seemed like he was really rushed. Even when there was 10 to go, he never felt like he was panicking, which boy, that, resulted in a lot of big wins for BC through the years. Yeah. It's going to be a lot of fun to see what these boys can do next year, uh, wherever they, whatever they do. Right. And I'm sure they're going to be racing each other a lot. Um, And there's, man, they're two of the best in the country right now. It's going to be really fun to see. And congratulations to, you know, Rudine racing his first title. uh, And, and Zeb's of course, his first title. So congratulations to them boys uh, for winning that title. You mentioned Brian Brown's win at the Tuscarora 50. You're an Iowa guy. 
uh, he he races at Knoxville a lot. I mean, that had to have been yep. a cool win for you, but um, yeah, he's he's been really needed one of those wins, right? He did. He I feel like that's kind of a maybe a career defining win for him, especially. He's been one of those guys that comes out of the Midwest and goes to Pennsylvania every year for that four to five week swing in September. And he'd picked up a couple of wins, but never had that marquee win. Knocked off a couple at Sealands Grove, won a Williams Grove win, got a Port win, but nothing marquee, some weekly wins. But to get a win like the Tuscarora 50, I mean, you look at the top 10 races in sprint car racing, and that's it. That's 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 well inside the top 10 of biggest races of the season. So that's a that's a career defining win for Brian. And I think goes back to kind of sunshine or the sunshine zone thing. We talked about confidence. Now he knows he can win those races and that that's cool. I mean, I was happy. It's uh, a guy that's a big supporter of the trunk bar, our group back home and he runs our sticker. So I was, I was happy for that, but I mean, it was a good race. There was, we had, there was a lot of breaks inside of the race that happen when you run 50 laps. I mean, you're going to run 50 laps. You're going to have failures and, and crashes and that's what happened. And I guess, you know, you got to finish the race and that's, that's what comes. People can say, oh, he wasn't the fastest car. Well, he, he may not have been the fastest car, but he was the fastest car that finished the race. Yeah. I think he gets some extra brownie points, too, because he beat all the outlaws, too, along with yeah. the rest of the PA. <laughs> right? I think that made it a little bit sweeter for him, too. Not only <laughs> win the Tuscarora 50, but, you know, he beat a good majority of the outlaws to do it. Yeah, it wasn't just the normal Tuscarora 50, which is an extremely hard race to win in itself. Yep. All right. Well, I've been thinking about this segment for a while because I'm excited. I, I got a new concession stand item that I. Oh boy. Dylan already knows about it because he mentioned it on the broadcast. But uh, what's your new concession stand item for this week, Blake? Boy, uh, you know, I, I we didn't since I've talked to you guys. It's been all like normal tracks for us. Nothing really, as bad as it sounds, nothing new for me. It was the standard. You know, chicken wings at Eldora, the walk. I actually had a walking taco at Fremont. That's a must. And then Port Royal, I didn't I didn't even get a chance to get to the concession stand at all, to be honest, because once we got going with no support classes, it's pretty much wide open. Lori Yingling brought us some fudge, though, which is always good. Lori's a good cook. Some fudge. D. Welch, what do you got? I I had uh, Putnamville's mini tacos. Ooh, those were strong. Those are, yeah. I don't know how long those have been there. They haven't been there for forever. I know that. So I don't know if that's a relatively new addition, but they're good. Putnamville's popcorn is excellent too. Yeah. They always, they've always had good popcorn. Top tier popcorn. Sure. Yeah. It's yeah. But I'm not a big, I'm not a big popcorn guy. So I don't ever eat it because I'm just like, when you're I need, announcing it, I need something with more, I need something with more substance and something that's not going to make my throat all scratchy. Yeah, so, when yeah. you're announcing, it's I don't eat popcorn. Yeah, absolutely. There's a fan there. Popcorn is a must for me every time I'm there as a fan. Gotcha. Yeah, you'll be picking out of your teeth all night uh, if you have yeah. popcorn. Uh, no, their popcorn is no. It's them and Atomic. It is good though. It it's them good. and Atomic. Atomic has mm-hmm. really really good popcorn. Those are my two favorites. Um, my my concession stand item uh, is also on the Lincoln Park uh, plan. Right, they got. They got a new one that I have never seen at any like regular concession stand at a racetrack, but I absolutely love it. And it is the funnel cake fries. Oh, they're so freaking tremendous. They're like, they cut into fries, right? And they're actual like elephant ears or funnel cakes, you know, fun, like yep. a funnel cake flavored, but gosh, powdered sugar on those things, dude. Oh my God. They're like, they're just French fries, but they're, are they, are they like, are they like thick cut? Or are they like stringy or what are they? I'd say they're mid. I'd say they're mid between between a stringy and a thick. I mean, let's so see. So like a McDonald's a, fry. A little bit bigger than a McDonald's fry. Okay. okay. Like a Burger King fry then. Yeah. A little bit, maybe a little bit bigger than that too, but not like Boy, steak fries. We're, get, we're getting closer to thick cut here. Yeah, no, exactly. Not, <laughs> but not, not like steak cut fries. Well, maybe they're closer to a thick cut, but a little bit smaller. We're all over the place here. I have yeah. no idea how big these but things they're are. really good. He hasn't done a very good job. No, Jared Buckley was, got some too. Hit, hit, hit every single thing we could we st- there. We started at Steak and Shake fries and made our way to the steak fries. <laughs> now we're at Red Robin fries. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Got to get it. That's interesting. I've never seen that before. Funnel I'm not a huge funnel cake guy. Yeah, but... were were those at the main concession stand, T-Bone? Yes. Because I'm I'm yeah. when you texted that, I was bummed that I'd missed those because. We can just go down there basically and get whatever we want. And I would have got, yeah, got just, Oh, you didn't see him? They were in the pit concession stand. So, oh, oh I no, know. I wasn't down there. Well, but I don't know if it's the same stuff. I mean, I saw the mini tacos. So maybe, no, maybe it is. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it just is. didn't have any ready for you. I, the mini tacos are good. Um, 
but Berlin has them too. So like, you know, th- those are the two places I've known that have many tacos. So I've had the mini tacos at Berlin and I like them. Um, but yeah, the funnel cake fries have moved up to the P one at Lincoln park for me. Those are wow. Dethroning the popcorn. I mean, the popcorn is tremendous. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, you got one of those. Fremont has good popcorn. Fremont has very good. Fremont has very good popcorn. Salty, yeah. which I love. Can't put enough. I like salt. Lincoln popcorn Park's popcorn is literally like straight yellow. Like it's the most yeah. buttery popcorn you will ever it's have. Great. It's tremendous. Like it's it is so good. And it's, it's huge. Hot. It comes in a bag. Oh yeah. I mean, the bag's a foot tall. And you know it's good because the whole bag is just filled with grease on the outside. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's when you know it's the best. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So those are our concession stands uh, items. All right, Blake. Thanks for coming on the show. Uh, it was a good year. Yeah. Great championship. You know, Zeb winning his first. Rudine getting there first. Uh, you know, we'll see what happens. I guess we'll see you at the Chili Bowl. Yeah, I'll be at the Chili Bowl. I'll be at Gateway. Are you coming Gateway. to Gateway during Nationals? I don't think I'm going to be coming at the Gateway. Oh, I'll be at yeah. Gateway. So never, right. I guess it'll be Chili Bowl then. Dylan, I'll see you at the Chili Bowl. Yeah, sure. sounds like I'll be there, for better or worse. Racing? I think so. I'm uh, going to be racing. Breaking I'm news? I'm working on it. Nothing's done yet, but I'm working on it. Love so, it. We'll, well hopefully it. hopefully we can get the hat shake logo on there still. Yep, we'll see. You need Burnett's guys. money to come through. I know. I, I'm still waiting on NASCAR, that check. NASCAR money. <laughs> Be, be waiting until I die, probably for his his money to come through. All that NASCAR money is gone. Yeah, by NASCAR, now. Years. NASCAR money. <laughs> we got to get Burnett a chili bowl ride this year. We talked about it in the past, and next we year, have. you're right. The body and frame rules are coming into play. So guys like Robert Bell. I mean, what's Robert going to do? I don't. Yeah, that's a good chassis. question. This is probably my last year to be able to run that frame. No. So I think that Bell? we, I think that we make a call to Robert and let's make this happen. How much I'll do leave. you think? How do you? How much do you think Robert would charge us to put him in a car? Fifteen hundred. You think you think he'd charge that much? I don't know. Call him. I think you should. I think you should call him, Blake, and ask him. Yeah, that's what I'll, I'll, I think Tyler. He have you got Have you got him. an hour to spare? Just call yeah, him. And- exactly. I'll come. He'll see Newton, Iowa, Jasper <laughs> County pop up, and he'll think that he'll be like, "Oh, better answer <laughs> I'll this." You, I'll leave you with this, and I know we're going to do a lot of chili bowl shows uh, uh, this winter, and hopefully, Blake, you join us. But um, Robert Bell, I asked him, you know, because we were did that little film with him last year, like just like recorded his night, and it was his, it was a career year for him. I think. I think he yeah, made chili ball career yeah. best effort. Yeah, best I think effort. Yep. he made it into a or whatever. Yeah. and then like was like sixth or something to B or something. Yeah, yeah. Night I mean, or he, something. he damn near made the prelim A. Yeah. yeah, which is just incredible. But anyways, I asked him. I said, Robert, like, when did you get this car out to start working on it? Like, he goes, What do you mean? I rolled it out of the corn crib right before we came. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, that's I need to call my buddy back home and get some Robert stories out of him again because it's, I mean, farming season, so I'm sure Robert's driving green cart for somebody. Oh, yeah. We tried that's when to get I get my on, good Robert Dell stories. We tried to get him on a video show once, but it ended up being where we just had to, like, put a picture of him and then, like, his phone audio because he couldn't figure it out, so. Well, it's Colfax, Iowa at its finest. You got to come to the big city like Newton to be able to figure that stuff out. I love that, man. <laughs> I can't wait to see him. All right, Blake, thanks for coming on the show.